0: Amen. The hope that we receive this Christmas. Um, I, somebody sent me this a couple weeks ago, and I just, it kind of cracked me up, and I really wanted to show it to you as Roy's changing from one program to the other. And uh, I didn't talk near. There we go. How Silent Night began. Don't be mad. I said I was sorry. I should have made reservations. Talk to me, Mary. 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 I'm fine. All right. Amen. Right? <laughs> he, I'm sure he knew the way to Bethlehem, so that probably asking stopping and asking for directions wasn't a part of that. It was just not um, making reservations, um, which is an interesting thought. I was having a conversation with somebody this week about the culture and, and what did that really look like. Did they really get to Bethlehem and not have any place to go? Was there no one that would bring them in? But that's all for a different, different topic and different subject and different time. I don't have time for that this morning. This morning, or last week, uh, last week, if you weren't here, we wandered in awe of Jesus' birth. Uh, the creator of the universe entered into, literally, literally entered into our world as a human. He surrendered his place in heaven for a time so that he could enter into our mess, a mess that we made and that we continue to make. And in the midst of that mess of a barn, Jesus, the Messiah, the Lord, the King, the King of Kings makes his first appearance on our planet and invited to that first appearance were shepherds. The low of the low, the smelly, and this group, a group who knew sheep. And we also wondered last week about the literal conception of Jesus. The miraculous, miraculous, supernatural conception conceived by a virgin through the power of the Holy Spirit. And and the same supernatural power that created all things, that sustains all things, became a man so that he could save us. So that he could save you. And the salvation of each and every soul, one at a time, is celebrated by our Father in heaven. We looked at that last week too, how Jesus told the story of the shepherd who left the 99 to go seek and find the lost one. May we have the heart and eyes of Jesus ourselves to be seeking that lost one. And and maybe that's you this morning. Are you lost? Have you been wandering around? Jesus came for you. Oh, the wonder of Christmas. Another part of the wonder of Christmas is how God chose to give people that needed hope that needed hope. For years and years before before Jesus even fulfilled the hundreds of prophecies that pointed to his initial arrival that first Christmas, God had hope in his heart for us. And, and we've often said that, that this hope is not wishful thinking. Hope, hope in Christ, it's not a wishful thinking, it's a sure thing. It's a thing that we can take to the bank. It's not a I wish or I'm dreaming of, it's a hope, it's a solid thing. So as we talk about that, let's remember that this morning. The arrival of that centuries, centuries old promised hope happened under a star filled sky in a manger on the outskirts of Bethlehem at just the right time. The Messiah's advent came to fruition just as it had been promised. Hope in the flesh was wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Paul reminds us of this in Galatians chapter 4, 4 and 5. Look at it up here on the screen. But when the right time came, But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. A Savior had been promised by God for centuries. They longed for this Savior. They prayed for rescue. And then on the right day, in the right place, at the right time, Jesus was born. While God rarely comes at our appointed time, he always comes at the right time. Hope arrived at just the right time. Yes, Israel. Well, in fact, the whole world was uh, waiting, even though they didn't know it, for the fulfillment of all of those prophecies of God. And, and while scholars don't agree on the exact number of how many Old Testament prophecies there are that foretold of the coming Messiah. Most agree that there were over 300. Over 300 times in the Old Testament, we receive a hint, a glimpse, a foretelling that a Savior is coming. And Jesus fulfilled every one of those promises. Each one was a promise of hope. Each one a promise of hope about what God would do one day for his people. His people who needed a savior to rescue them. One of those is in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. That prophecy is given, and then it's 700 years later that that promised prophecy of hope from the heart of God came true in the Virgin Mary. She gave birth to her firstborn son. They named him Jesus because he was to save the people from their sins. That's the reason Jesus was born. He was our savior who could rescue us from our sins, which separated us from a holy God. Hope arrived at just the right time. Now, if we're honest, we don't like to wait for stuff, do we? I mean, we often say, I don't have time for this. I don't have time to wait for this. I don't have time to, to wait for the microwave to make popcorn in three minutes. I don't have time. I don't have time to sit behind this long line in the, in the drive-through. I don't, I don't have time for that. I, I can't believe this is taking so long. It's costing me time. And and I think that's probably because most of us consider waiting to be a waste of time. And in reference to our God, waiting is not a waste of time. We are not wasting our time as we wait for Jesus to return again. We are not wasting our time as we wait for an answer to that prayer that we've been praying for weeks and months, maybe even years. Though I would suggest that as impatient Americans, we would be quite disciplined if we prayed for for something for more than a month or a year. You see, God works while we wait. Even when you can't see what he's doing, God is orchestrating the events of heaven. Is that a fly? and earth to accomplish his purposes for for your life. We need to trust in his unfailing love. We need to trust that he knows what he's doing. We need to trust that a love that moved him to send a savior from heaven to restore and rescue us is working on our behalf behind the scenes. Trust in him. God's plans for your life will not be thwarted. God is working, God is working. Wait patiently. Wait patiently, knowing that waiting is never wasted when you're waiting on God. Now, I think all of us in this room are probably waiting on something. Maybe you're waiting for this service to get out. You can't wait till it's over. Maybe you're waiting to hear about a job you have applied for and maybe interviewed. Or or maybe you're trying to make the decision on whether to, to make a move. Maybe you're waiting for a significant other or for your children or or for healing or for even a diagnosis. You're, You're waiting. You're waiting for the weather to change. You're waiting for reconciliation. You're waiting for restoration. We often wonder in those times of waiting, has God forgotten about me? Is he really there? Does he really know that I'm continuing to go through this? In your waiting, may the birth of Christ encourage you. You see, to him, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. This very minute, he's working for his glory and for your good. Let me repeat that. This very minute, God is working for His glory and for your good. Though circumstances may say otherwise, trust me, God is going to come through. God is going to come through on schedule, on His schedule, fulfilling His long appointed plans for you. Don't give up before the time is right. Hope arrived at just the right time, but it was hundreds of years, hundreds of years for Israel, waiting, wondering, with God being silent, and then he comes. Now, Jesus' birth gives us hope of enjoying true life while destroying the the plans of the enemy. Uh, In fact, the plans that the enemy had in mind since the Garden of Eden, from from the very moment of the disobedience of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, we have needed a Savior. We have needed rescued as humanity. From that minute forward, we needed hope. And as we wait and as we walk with Jesus down the road of life, we can get impatient But even worse than getting impatient is when we focus on the troubles that are in our life. Every day, we focus on those things. We we focus on the hardships. It gets pretty gloom and doom in a hurry, doesn't it, when we focus on the hard things that we face in life. Hunger, abortion, crime, wars, rumors of wars, inflation, financial struggles, relational struggles social psychological emotional struggles and the list goes on and on and on how does this impatience and loss of hope happen when there is so much promised how does that happen well one of the reasons it happens is it's the prince of darkness you know we we don't we don't live our life you know, sitting in a comfortable chair on a Sunday morning with people who all believe the same or relatively believe the same as we do. Life is not easy. We, we, we take what mess we are in that seat, though we were pretty good at hiding it from a lot of people, and, and we take that mess into and around a, a bunch of other people with a bunch of other messes. And, and we forget that there is a spiritual battle going on on this planet every day, every minute, every second of every day. You ask yourself, man, why do I have such trouble praying? Why can't I, why can't I pray faithfully? Because there's a spiritual battle going on. Are you fighting that spiritual battle? You see, Jesus described this battle for our hope in words that are recorded in John 10.10, 10, which says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it To the full. Jesus said, There's two agendas here, and they're on a collision course. The first agenda, that's the agenda of the evil one, the enemy. The thief's agenda is to steal, kill, and destroy. He uses other people to do that, he uses technology to do that, he uses the movies to do that. He uses our ease of access to video to do that. His agenda is to steal, kill, and destroy. But the other agenda is Jesus' agenda. And it's listed in that verse. He left his place in glory. He left heaven so that he could come down here and endure what he did so that he might rescue you. It was a mission of deep and abiding love. Jesus' agenda and mission is to give all people the opportunity to have and experience abundant life. To have life to the full. This abundant life would be such that people who became his followers could taste it and see it and smell it and enjoy it abundantly forever. This was the gift that was alluded to in the video, that we can receive, that we can open, and that we can experience this Christmas and enjoy throughout eternity from this day forward. You see, there is good in this world. We experience good in this world. We experience blessings every day. I see God working every second of every day. If I would only pay attention. Ah, let's wonder in the hope of Christmas. The hope that this season gives us and proclaims. Because when Jesus came at just the right time, he came to destroy the works of the enemy. You know, we should, we should be so thankful that we are alive today. I know you got up this morning and went, Ugh. Maybe you got up this morning and turned the news on. You know what? Don't do that. No, I'm dead serious. I said this to some men the other day. The first thing you do in the morning should not be to turn the news on. The first thing we should do every morning is have a conversation with God. Hey, Lord, how how are you doing? I know you've been up already for five hours or seven hours, whatever time you get up in the morning. I'm kind of interrupting your day. How can I be a part of it? I know you're already working. God, show me yourself today. And, and then maybe you get into his word and you read your devotion that morning and you spend some time in prayer. Maybe you never do turn the news on. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't be aware of what's going on in our world, but oftentimes we are so aware of what we're told is going on in the world that it is discouraging. And, and it, if, if we focus on that, I mean, where, where is the hope in that? Many times. No, you see, Jesus came to destroy the works of the enemy, and he's working on that today. He's working on that today. Jesus came to give us abundant life, and one of the ways that he does that is by doing something about our enemy who is trying to steal, kill, and destroy. The disciple John reminds us of this in 1 John 3 8. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. Don't you just love when the Bible is clear? I mean, when you don't have to wonder, what, what does that really mean? What, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. That's pretty clear. Uh, the devil, who Peter describes in his letter in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, as a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. As soon as your feet hit the floor in the morning... Somebody's assigned to you, and his intent is to devour you. You see, that is one of the wonders of Christmas. That is one of the wonders of hope that Jesus came to destroy the enemy. We're celebrating that Jesus came to pick a fight with our enemy who is trying to destroy our lives. We have hope because the one who could save us from the destruction of our enemy has. He came. He arrived on the scene. And that's one of the reasons why I think it is so amazing that that we are alive today. Because we have this. We know what Jesus did. We, I can, I can understand. I, I struggle myself. Knowing the end of the story, I, I can't imagine the Israelites and those who are alive, the, the Gentiles who first heard about Jesus and those who saw him crucified and wondered, what just happened? I thought he was going to be our king. I thought he was going to save us. Well, yeah, he did, and and we all have this, and we can look back and go, that's it. That's the truth, and it's clear to us. And we need to hold to this unwaveringly. The hundreds of prophecies that pointed to a birth that would result in a battle of the destruction were fulfilled. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil, and that's exactly what he did. Prophecy said he would come as an innocent baby, prophecy said that, that he would go to the cross as a perfect sacrifice. Then that, that he would then defeat death in a glorious resurrection. And, and then that 40 days later, Jesus promised that he would ascend into heaven and send the Holy Spirit to reside in us and empower us to live our lives for him. My father promised, Jesus said, I would come in time and make no mistake. I will come again to claim those who are my own. Come where Jesus comes. He says, the next time I will come riding on a white horse with fire in my eyes. A crown on my head, a robe dipped in blood, and the armies of heaven following me on white horses with a prominent tattoo on my robe and thigh that reads, King of kings and Lord of lords. Oh, come Lord Jesus. That's pretty intense, isn't it? Um, if you haven't thought about Jesus in those terms, I, I put it at the the very end of your note sheet. Revelation 19. Read it when you get home. Read Revelation 19. Oh yeah, He promised to return again. And and though we are privileged to be alive today, we too might as if, if you're a Christ follower, we just might be privileged too to hear that final trumpet and see those incredible prophecies fulfilled before our very eyes, maybe we won't. But we will wait patiently for them to happen, and we will stay true to what he has asked us to stay true to. You see, Jesus is coming again, but not to deal with sin. He already did that. No, when Jesus comes back a second time, he will do so bringing salvation with him for all those who are waiting for his return. And that waiting has been the signature mark of the people of God through the ages. It's Jesus teaching us to pray, thy kingdom come. we're, We're still waiting for the fullness of that prayer to be answered. And may we not stop praying that prayer. It's what we remind ourselves of today, right here on this table this morning, when we partake of the Lord's Supper. It, it says in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six, 26, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. He's coming. Are you ready? Are you ready? Some of us in this room may be here when Jesus returns. Some of us won't. Some of us will take our last breath before that moment. Are you ready for your last breath? Are you living for Jesus? Broadman's commentary notes that over 500 hope-filled times in the scriptures, it speaks of the return of Jesus. That's Old and New Testament. That Jesus will return is said more frequently in the New Testament than anything else about him because God fulfilled the over 300 prophecies of hope regarding his initial arrival, we can completely trust every other promise that he has made. With confidence, we can hold on to hope that he will do the same to fulfill the over 500 references of his second advent. However, for now, we continue to wait, but we wait with hope. You see, even when we die, we don't die, or or even when we grieve the loss of someone, we don't grieve like those who don't know the Lord. Right? We grieve as those who have hope. Who have hope. Look, the last words that we have from the lips of Jesus that are recorded on the last page of the Bible is this. It's Revelation 22, verse 22. And it's Jesus says, Yes, I am coming soon. Now, of course, we all think, Well, soon. It's been 2,000 years. What? Did I not just say that God's time is different than ours? Let's not forget that. But that certainly doesn't mean that we don't have hope today. And and then John responds as as John is writing this, this. Vision that God has given him in the book of Revelation as he's exiled on the island of Patmos, John says, This, Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. That's how he ends the book of Revelation. (laughs) Come, Lord Jesus. Our Savior Jesus is not a pacifist wimp without a plan. He is a warrior king who came to destroy the works of the devil and to rescue us from sin, death, hell, and Satan, and he is coming again one day. Are we ready? We have a blessed hope this Christmas season, even if stuff's not going your way. You have hope in Christ. You have hope for eternity. You have hope for next week for next month. The question is are we willing to surrender to whatever it is that he's trying to teach us how he's trying to grow us how how our god is trying to strengthen us are we are we surrendering are we humbly coming before him And because hope arrived at just the right time and Jesus came to destroy the works of the the enemy, the result of what Jesus did and what he's doing in your heart is this. The result of our wonder of Christmas and wonder of hope is abundant life. It's abundant life. See, when you get up in the morning and you focus on Jesus instead of the, the news, you can sense that hope that you have in life. If, if you watch the news first, then, then you give the enemy an opportunity to suck the hope right out of you first thing in the morning. And then you spend the rest of the day trying to recover from that 20 minutes of watching Fox News in the morning. Whatever it is that you watch. Jesus came to give us life and to give it abundantly. Yes, he came to destroy the works of the devil. Unfortunately, many people kind of stop There. They're kind of like, yeah, I surrendered my life to Jesus Christ. I got my fire insurance. Okay? He says that, that if, I, if I do this, then, then, then my sins are forgiven. And then we forget to live in the midst of a relationship with Jesus Christ and experience that abundant life that he has for us. See, we don't always taste the other parts of the meal that Jesus is offering. That, that, that includes freedom from sin and fulfillment in our life. That includes peace and joy and rest on, on a day that even is filled with trouble in this world and in our life. We are able to say, you know what? Yeah, this is hard and I'm sad and I don't like this, but God's in control still. He is not, he's not given up his throne for anybody or anything. He is firmly seated on it, and he is working. This is part of the abundant life that Jesus is talking about and offering now. He has destroyed the power that the enemy has over us. And as long as we're living in and around and with the Holy Spirit and the power of God, we're not unwittingly giving the enemy power over us or allowing him to direct our day and our thoughts and our actions. See, this is part of what we can receive open and hope for this Christmas. Though, though the forgiveness of sin is the main problem in our world today, it is the most important. There is more to this life than just forgiveness. Wrapped up in that abundant life package from Jesus, there is is the freedom that that he gives us when we have been released of the bondage that that, that sin has had us in. This freedom from sin leads to fulfillment in our lives that Jesus came to give us. There's a passage in Hebrews that relates well with the words we just read in John 10.10 and from 1 John 3.8. These words... From Hebrews, give more dimension uh, to this abundant life Jesus came to give us and hope that we now have for the weight of his return in one of those Christmas carols. And I I really truly hope that when as as you sing Christmas carols this year, that you're really thinking of the words and what they mean. I know I oftentimes just kind of get just sort of get in the habit, just sing the song. I know it, I know it by heart, I know the words. But but that that uh the last one we sang where it said the night was so deep what does that mean i mean i, I don't know I, I envision standing in a dark place in wyoming where you see the stars and you wonder wow, i didn't realize there were so many stars and they're so bright tonight and you sort of you sort of get a get an idea of how small you are in the universe and at the same time how big God is, because he's everywhere. When we take moments to to think about the wonder of Christmas and Jesus coming and saving us, it gets deep. And and that's a depth that I want all of us to draw on. Hebrews is a powerful letter that that is meant to encourage Christians going through tough seasons in life. In fact, if, if you're just trying to make it through December, try reading through Hebrews. I saw a Facebook post the other night of somebody that used to live here. Her name is Summer. And she, she was like up at two in the morning. And she's like, what else do you do at two in the morning? And, and, and she, was, she said, I just started reading the Psalms. She said, if you're having trouble sleeping, just start reading the Psalms from, from the very first chapter. And just read them. Soak them in. Uh, Hebrews is that same kind of book. If if you're going through a tough season of life, dealing with difficult circumstances, maybe you're feeling pressed and pulled and beaten down and discouraged in some of the areas of your life, then Hebrews is meant for you. Uh, it's certainly meant for me. In fact, I'm kind of wondering right now. I is have we have we ever studied through the book of Hebrews on a Sunday morning? Now I I looked through. All I try to keep record of all of the. books of the Bible that, that we go through, and I didn't see Hebrews in the list. So right now, right here, right this morning, I'm telling you, starting probably not January 1st, but January 8th, I think our next book series, our next sermon series, should be the book of Hebrews. Now, just as much as the book of Ecclesiastes kind of made me sit down with fear and trembling. Hebrews does as well. There's some difficult aspects of the book of Hebrews that people get hung up on. But I think we should do it. Um, so, so maybe, you know, for, for the rest of the month of December, you're going to read the book of Hebrews and you'll know it better than I do when we start in January. But you'll have a head start and God will teach us great things through that book, as he always does, through his word. Um, if you would turn... To Hebrews. We'll, we'll start right here this morning. You can find the book of Hebrews. It's toward the end of the New Testament. It's rather large. It's not like the book of Jude where you can you know, thumb past it two or three times and wonder where it is. Find the book of Hebrews chapter 2. And we're going to read verses 14 through 16, starting in verse 14. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity. That means that Jesus, fully God, chose to give up his position in heaven for a period of time, for a season that started in the womb of the Virgin Mary. So that he could become fully human here on earth and not only relate to us, but also become like us in our humanity. You see, the book of Hebrews also tells us that that Jesus experienced everything that we do. He experienced life. Jesus, fully God and fully human, came sharing in our flesh and blood. So that it goes on to say, by his death... He might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who, are all, who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. It's an interesting statement. You see, Jesus helped us as he grabbed a hold of us and rescued us from spiritual and eternal death by what he did on that cross. He was not only our helper, he was not only just a good example, which he was, we can learn from everything that he taught and everything that he did and the decisions that he made. He he literally became one of us to save us. By taking on the sin of the world, surrendering himself to death on a cross. You see, his name is the only name on heaven and earth by which anyone can be saved. It's Jesus. And you have just heard his name this morning. We hear his name often. (sighs) The name of Jesus, his name is the name that is above all names. And he came to give us abundant life. He came to give us abundant life. He helped us, he rescued us and saved us. Jesus not only forgave us from our sin, but also he freed us from that position of bondage so that we could, be, so that we could have a fulfilled life, so that we could instead be content with the things that we have, instead of only wanting other things that other people have that we don't have. It's part of that freedom that comes from being saved from the bondage of sin. Hope arrived at just the right time. Jesus came to destroy the works of the enemy and he came to give us life and to give it abundantly. What Jesus did when he laid down his life on the cross was pay a sin debt that gave us back our lives. He bought our forgiveness with his broken body in his poured out blood, which we remember and we celebrate this morning because he gave us this. He said, look, I know you guys are going to forget. You need to do this often so that you remember. So that you remember what I did for you. And unfortunately for many of us, it seems like we just jump back into the sin pool and we get into this Bad loop. And then instead of living in freedom and fulfillment, we jump right back into that pool. And we forget about the status in life that Jesus has given us. However, Christmas reminds us that Jesus came not only to forgive you from your sin and pull you out of that sin pool, but he also came so that that freedom that you have would reign in your life. And that's a deep love from the heart of God that is intended for you. It's a gift of hope that leads to and through eternity that we can experience here from the moment we surrender our life to him until the moment we take our last breath. And it can begin today if you have not surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. It can begin today. You can proclaim your trust and faith in him. That's the abundant life Jesus was talking about that was worth him coming to destroy the works of the devil. I, I don't know, you know. It, Jesus said this too at one time. He said, um, though one would kinda sorta maybe, though one probably would, would not die for the next guy, Maybe for, maybe for kind of a good person you might. I'm seriously paraphrasing. But that's what he did. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for you. He died for me. He literally, physically went to the cross as a perfect sacrifice for us. And then he rose from the dead and conquered that. Um, In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 28, it says this So Christ having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. A question we need to ask and answer this Christmas is, what are we supposed to do while we're eagerly waiting for him? You know, I mean, we got lots to do, right? Some of you have maybe roasts in the oven right now and you have things to prepare when you get home. Does anybody do that anymore? Does anybody ever set their oven on timer anymore? I see one hand. Oh, two in the whole room. Interesting. I mean, that ovens were made before crockpots, right? So maybe you're a crockpot person. Or maybe you're an instapot person. You see, we're so impatient. Right? How can I do this faster? So what do we do? Uh, that's the same question a, a young, eager, and growing Christian had for his spi- spiritual mentor years ago. A high school student was having lunch with his mentor and there were some other friends with him. And the student asked, what can I do to be more intentional in developing my relationship with Jesus Christ and become the person Jesus wants me to be whenever that day of his return might be? How, how do we prepare? And, and I think there's three things. Um, the mentor took one of the, the napkins on the table and he wrote these three things on it. The first thing he wrote was, enjoy quiet moments alone with God each day. Are you doing that? If you're not, shut the news off. Now, you know, if you know me well, you know putting away technology is as hard and difficult as it is for anybody. But those moments in time when I have practiced the discipline of just being quiet and you know, we don't have a fireplace in our house, so I put one on a TV. And, I don't, and we don't turn the news on. And we just sit quietly in the morning with a cup of coffee and my Bible and a devotional and just soak in the, the hope and the wonder of God. If you're not doing that, start there each day. Lamentations 3.26 says, So it is good to wait quietly for salvation from the Lord. The second thing you can do is develop a continual awareness of his presence. A pet peeve of mine is when somebody prays that God would be with us. Oh, God, be with me. Wait, what? Do you know what you're asking him? You're asking him to do something he's already doing. He said he will never leave you nor forsake you. He said he will always be with you. Why do I need to ask him to be with me? No, what I used to pray with my kids is, God, help us to be aware that you are with me. Help us to be aware of your presence every day. We need that awareness. And then number three is have yielding obedience to his spirit. Man, this is a tough one. If the Spirit is telling you in a relationship or an argument or something to just, look, lay down your guns and just let it be. Eat that crow, whatever it is. If it's the Holy Spirit telling you, you better get a fork and a knife. Because that's what's keeping you from that abundant life. Your pride or your arrogance or your right or your selfishness, or your unforgiveness. The enemy, we give the enemy power over us when we hold on to those things. If we would let those things go and give them up to Jesus. Satan becomes powerless in that situation and God begins to advance. So hard to do, I know. Those three things will help us not only remember that we're forgiven from sin, but they will also invite us to experience that freedom that we have from the forgiveness of of that sin in our life every day. That is my prayer for us, that that would be the case. As we wait for his return with great hope. Um, Let's pray as the servers come forward for communion this morning. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for coming. Help us to wonder. Help us to not take that for granted. Help that to be real in our life. Help us to experience that, to hear it, to taste it, to smell it, to live it. Lord, thank you for this table that you have given us, that this bread that represents the, your body broken on our behalf and this cup that represents the blood that you shed. You shed all of it. And Lord, as we we partake today, help us to remember how significant that was. Help us to remember that that was the act above every other act on this planet that changed the universe from that moment forward. Your crucifixion, your death, your resurrection, may we believe may we trust and surrender to you draw our hearts in and our souls in this morning as we partake Lord Jesus and, and in, as you ate with the disciples you said as you gave thanks for the bread you said this is my body given for you do this in remembrance of me And in the same way, after supper, you took the cup and you said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood which is poured out for you. This blood being poured out for you will be the fulfillment of the law on your behalf. Do this in remembrance of me. So Lord Jesus, as we are served and as we partake this morning, we do this in remembrance of you. In Jesus' name, amen. As the basket and the cup...